The good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit have been doing two episodes a week um, for quite some time now, and it's all thanks to, first of all, Jason, and second of all, our patrons, who allow us to add the space on our server, broadcast more, store more, share more with you listeners. I'm envious of those of you who have unlimited storage and media server capabilities. We we pay for ours here at, at the C4FAP. It ain't cheap. We thank you so much for those of you who go to patreon.com slash comicsfunprofit and contribute at any level to say thanks, to say I want to be a part of your Slack channel, conversations. I want to get exclusives. I want to get early access. I want to get ad-free access. I want to get swag. I want to get some free stuff. Whatever your reasoning is, we appreciate it at any level because it does make a difference. So from the bottom of Kyle and I and Jason's heart, thank you for contributing. Aloha. This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer J.M. DiMatteis. He is here to promote the 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 multiverse spellbound comics Kickstarter. Now, this campaign is already a huge success. It's um already underway. It's only got a few more days left if you want to back this Kickstarter. Now, um, I've already backed this Kickstarter. I'm really excited to looking forward to reading these exciting stories. JM, welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jason. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Now, I'm just going to go over JM's brief history because if we go through his whole history. We'll be here know. for the entire time because I've been doing this a long time. Yes. So, um, of course, everybody knows his famous um, with him and Keith Giffen has done um, Justice League International. Of course, the um, the um, the amazing Spider-Man um, storyline, Craven's Last Hunt, his creator-owned Moonshadow. He's also, now I'm going to point out a couple of things because we're gonna, I'm going to touch upon one of it later in the podcast, the DC Elseworld Superman Speeding Bullets. That was a very, I remember that very well when it came out. That was really good. And I also have to point this out as well. DC Creature Commandos. And I know you guys can't see it, but yes, I saw this and I had to pick this up. That was very, very early in my career too. Yeah. Yes. Now also too, I want to also point out some of his um, upcoming, actually some of his work that's out already. Um, The novella, The Excavator on Neotext. Is that correct? Neotext is the publisher. You can get it uh, on uh, Amazon in either an ebook form or a physical book. Yeah, just came out a couple of months ago. I'm very proud of it. Okay, cool. And also, too, um, the your your limited series on Ben Riley Spider Man. The trade is already out already. That if also I got... came out, I think, in June or early July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also upcoming, not um, we'll be re- releasing this episode probably within the next week or two. But also. Um, your new limited series, the Spider-Man, the Lost Hunt, number one, that's going to come out on November 9th. Is that correct? You are correct. You got it all. Fantastic. No, thank you very much. Now, before we begin this interview, I want to give a big shout out to David Baldi of um, Spellbound Comics. He had a hand in setting up this interview. David, I want to thank you very much for doing this. Um, Do you want to add anything to, to that? No, I'm sure we'll end up talking about David as we talk about the Kickstarter campaign because he's an integral part of it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to give a big shout out to John Suchers of Word Balloon. Of Word Balloon, I got some of um, his, um, you know, some of your information about the Kickstarter and so forth um, from John's podcast. Now, if you guys get a chance, please check out um, John's podcast and JM's interview that was dated back on September 25th of this year. Um, also, too, I want to give a big shout out to John, too, because when I watched that interview, JM, I was going, oh, my God, I need to get JM on this podcast. So, so John, thank you very much. John's a good guy. He's been doing he's been doing this podcast a long time, too. Oh, yes. And I love it how he always says that he was one of the original Mercury astronauts back in, I think <laughs> it started in 2006. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been talking to John on and off for many years. Wow. 
<laughs> okay. And then let's start off. Where can follow followers listening uh, follow you on social media? Social media. Okay, let's go through the whole list. Uh, Twitter, which is sort of my uh, my main venue. That's at JMD Mateus on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook is also at JMD Mateus. On Instagram, it's jm.dmateus. So don't forget the dot between JM and D Mateus. Uh -huh. And then my website, jmdmateus.com. And uh -huh. that's enough social media. If they create something new, I can't do it. It's, <laughs> that's enough. Can't handle anymore. <laughs> also, too, I'm, I'm sorry, JM, I'm going to add this in. I just, uh, so for listeners, um, you know, I, you know, I want to personally thank JM for doing this interview. Um, you know, um, we've been trying to you know, figure out times and so forth. And he was very accommodating to do this interview. Um, we had one, he suggested one date I couldn't make. It, and then he suggested that we do it on this date. And today is also, it's Halloween weekend, Saturday, October 29th. And also, too, I had a little bit of technical difficulty. So, JM, thank you very much for your patience. You Thank are you very welcome. Very much. You're very welcome. So, all right. So, um, I'm going to ask because um, during the word balloon interview, I know you um, you're talking to John about some stuff um, that kind of um, inspired you to write some of these um, stories from your, for your Kickstarter. So, I'm going to ask yeah. when you were growing up, like what books did you read when you were growing up? In terms of comics or books in general, or just book, I would just say books in general. Yeah, I loved I loved to read. You know, the funny thing with comics is, people always say, you know, what's the first comic you ever read? And yes. I don't remember because I remember comics always being around. I grew up in an era where you know just stores all over the neighborhood would carry comics. You didn't have yeah. to go to a comic book shop to get a comic book. They were always around. Yes. And I think even before that. I also grew up in an era where newspapers had big, giant Sunday comic sections, big, yes. full color Sunday comic sections. Mm -hmm. So probably even before I read a comic book, I was reading those Sunday comics that I remember from the New York Daily News. Mm -hmm. um, and I just fell in love with that combination of words and pictures, something I always say that there's um, those of us that get into comics. It's like there's a, a certain chemical that we have in our brain. And the first time we see that combination of words and pictures, this chemical drops and we're just hooked for life. And that's all there is. And, and someone else will look at that same thing and they don't get it. Either mm -hmm. you get it or you don't. And once you get it, it's some sort of magic that happens inside you that you can never get rid of. Um, so, you know, comics were just always there in every wow. kind of comic, every combination of words and pictures I have loved since I was a kid and love to this day. And other kind of reading. Yeah, I was always a voracious reader. Let me think about what I was reading when I was younger. God, I loved mythology, Edith Hamilton's mythology book. I loved reading this. I was went through a period where I was really hooked on the tales of King Arthur. Uh, one of my favorite books when I was a kid, and this will this will tie into one of the one of the books in the Kickstarter, was a, I don't know why I was I was obsessed with this book about the Alamo. It was called Remember the Alamo. And I used mm -hmm. to go to the library, get it out of the library, bring it home, read it, bring it back to the library, wait a week, go back to the library, take it home. Must have read it five times, ten times. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I, you know, I remember reading Do all the Doc Savage books or or when I was nice. in fifth grade, I got into James Bond and read all the James Bond books. And I just mm -hmm. I just love to read. And of course, <clears throat> as I got older, along with reading every piece of science fiction and fantasy I could get my hands on, I discovered Dostoevsky and Dickens and, mm -hmm. and J.D. Solinger and all these wonderful Kurt Vonnegut, all these other wonderful writers that I love. So I, I've always loved to read and I continue to to love to read. It's just, you know, reading is such an intimate thing. Mm -hmm. That's one of the great things about comics, too. You know, you can go to the movies and sit there with a crowd or sit and watch television. Uh, as others said, it's more of a passive thing. It kind of washes yes. over you. And, and I'm not saying it's not a great experience. I love movies. I love mm -hmm. television. But when you pick up a comic book, there's a give and take. You're creating that movie. You're the one whose mind is filling in the action that connects the panels up. You're creating the voices for the characters. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're creating a soundtrack, music playing in your head. It's very, very intimate. So if you're reading, I don't know, let's say Spider-Man, mm -hmm. your spider, the, the Spider-Man that you're reading about is very unique to you because what's going on in my head as I'm reading the same exact story isn't the same thing that's going on in your head. Where yes. each of us is creating our own intimate movie. And the same thing, of course, with a novel mm -hmm. where you're creating, you're creating the pictures as well. So, you know, reading in general is just uh, such an intimate, beautiful, nourishing experience. And comics, you know, with, with the addition of those pictures, 
just so magical. Well, I know what I forgot from when I was really little. I was, and I still love it. Love Dr. Seuss. I think Dr. Seuss is one of the great geniuses of, mm -hmm. of our time. And I can, you know, I, I read it as a kid. I read it with both of my kids. I could pick up a Dr. Seuss book now and mm -hmm. still be just as enchanted. Just uh, an extraordinary, extraordinarily gifted uh, poet and artist. Oh, that's nice. Um, I want to point out one book that, because I saw it on your Twitter feed. Um, I know you recently read, and when you talk about visuals in your head and so forth, is Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah, I love Bradbury. Bradbury, in my pantheon of writers, Bradbury is very, very near the top. Sometimes lately it feels like it's a, it's a tug of war between Bradbury and Dickens for who gets the top slot, you know? Mm -hmm. And I have loved Bradbury for so many years. Yes. And uh, one of the podcasts I did recently was, was, it was, it was because it was Halloween. It was a horror related podcast and something wicked this way comes is, is an, is an October book. It's a Halloween book, you know? Mm -hmm. And I hadn't read it for maybe 30 years and I read it again and it was even better than I remembered it. To call Bradbury a science fiction writer, is incorrect. It's to label him as something he transcends. To even uh -huh. call him a novelist is incorrect. I think of Bradbury, it's like he's an epic poet that uses the novel form. Uh -huh. His use of language is so unique. The way that he tells a story, the way that he gets into your head and your heart is uh -huh. so unique. And I know for me as a creative person, I read a Bradbury book and it just makes me want to run to the computer and write. He's so inspiring. Yes. Uh -huh. And I just, I adore Bradbury. Absolutely adore him. I'm going to ask you this question because I'm sure you've gone to many cons over the years. Yeah. Have you ever get a, have you, did you ever get a chance to meet Ray Bradbury? I never met him directly, mm -hmm. but because I, a couple of things years ago, many years ago, when I first read Dandelion Wine, which is my favorite Bradbury book, I absolutely adore it. I wrote him a letter and was astonished to get a beautiful letter back from him. And then shortly after that, maybe a couple of years after that, when I did Moonshadow, Moonshadow was my first creator-owned series. And for yes. me, it was a real breakthrough for me as a writer. It, it's, it changed me forever as a writer. And I wanted to share it with him. So I sent the first issue to him and again, got a beautiful letter back. And so I would send him every issue and each issue, he'd send me a little note thanking me. And then when we, when we, um, needed a promotional quote for the collected edition. Uh -huh. I very hesitantly asked him, would you, would you consider giving us a quote? And he gave us a beautiful quote, which if you, if you look at the recent Dark Horse edition, you'll still see that quote on the cover because I'm never taking that quote off the cover, you know? Um, just, a, a, just what a generous, generous soul. Um, seems like, you know, the, the man and, and, and the words on the page uh, were interchangeable. He was uh -huh. so kind and so generous. So just to have that exchange with him was a great thing. Wow, that's really great. That's it is. It really, really was. great. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Um, I'm sorry, Jim. I'm going to continue on because you mentioned about you love TV shows. What TV shows were you growing um what were you watching when you're growing up? Because I know it also kind of plays into um at least one of the Kickstarters, the comics. Yeah. Well. I loved the Twilight Zone was probably, I remember being, I must've been five or six years old the first time I saw the Twilight Zone. And I probably shouldn't have been watching at that age, <laughs> but it completely mesmerized me and captured my heart and captured my imagination. And I've talked about this before, you know, about the, the things that we see when we're young that impact us, that shape our worldview. And mm -hmm. my question is always, is 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 the art, whether it's a novel or a comic book or a TV show or a movie uh, or a painting or a dance or a play, is that creating our worldview or is it touching something in us where there's a truth that's in there and it's just waiting for that story to come along mm -hmm. and awaken that truth? Yes. And I think with the Twilight Zone, it touched something in me because, the yes, the Twilight Zone could be horrific and eerie and spooky. Mm -hmm. But to me, the essence of what the Twilight Zone said to me as a kid and still does is, the universe that we take to be mundane, this everyday world, is actually something very magical. Mm -hmm. That beneath the skin of the world, there's something else entirely going on. That there's something, that the universe is alive, that we interact with it, and we learn from it, and it teaches us. And, 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 and I think that's something that in my heart, as a kid, I already knew, but it took the Twilight Zone to come along and 
whack me in the head and bring that knowledge up, you know? Mm -hmm. but, so certainly in terms of television, Twilight Zone growing up was a, was a huge influence. Um, you know, Star Trek, when I discovered Star Trek years later, I mean, I, and you know, in, in terms of, in terms of one, another one of the, the, um, the Kickstarter project Wisdom, which is a supernatural Western, mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up, Westerns were all over TV. Yes. Uh -huh. I, I've said this several times now, but I, I wanted to go back and check. And I looked up a TV schedule from when I was about six or seven years old. Uh -huh. There were only three networks, three major networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Yeah. That was it. There was public television, then a couple of local stations. And on those three networks, 27 of their primetime shows were Westerns. Uh -huh. And so the whole world was saturated with, with Westerns when yes. I was a kid. And all these years later, you know, that 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 childhood love. And I, I was just looking at my shelf before, and I have behind me two figures. Uh, one is a Wyatt Earp figure, and the other one is Roy Rogers on his horse. I got these when I was around four years old, and I've kept them all these years. And it's like they've been sitting on my shelf yes. waiting for me to finally write a damn Western. You know? <laughs> um so uh it's been really fun working on wisdom because finally that little kid who was you know was sitting around in his cowboy outfit with his plastic six guns you know mm -hmm. uh gets to write a western oh my god that is great thank you very much for sharing that thank you very much um okay so i'm gonna move on we're gonna start we're gonna start talking about your kickstarter um so um i'm gonna ask you you know where did where did you get your idea to do a Kickstarter, you know? Well, you know, it's something I've thought about for a while. I've always, through my whole career, really starting with Moonshadow, uh, gone back and forth between the established characters and my own creator own material. You know, I'm yes. creating my own characters, creating my own universes. And it's been a great balance because if I, I think I've always said, if I just worked on Marvel and DC characters as much as I love those characters. And I've worked on them in comics, in animation, in live action. Um, I think I would have gone crazy. So I always need to be creating my own original material mm -hmm. and always looking for new venues. And Kickstarter always fascinated me because it takes away a wall between creator and audience. You know, suddenly, you know, I'm not going through a publisher. There's not, it's, I'm going mm -hmm. straight straight to the readers you know yes. and and i was very fascinated with it and i thought gee i'd love to do this but doing the work is one thing the creative work doing the work that's necessary to build and maintain and promote mm -hmm. a kickstarter it's a lot of work mm -hmm. and i just i just didn't think i had the nervous system for it and that's where uh david baldy comes in i met uh -huh. david he took a writing workshop of mine uh, that I did. Uh, I had to do these imagination one-on-one workshops every once in a while. And David, who was a TV writer and producer of, with about 20 years under his belt, it was early in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. He took the class and uh, we became friends. Mm -hmm. And we got talking at one point and Kickstarters came up and and he said that he would love to get involved with me and do a Kickstarter for me. And I thought, oh, to have a partner in this, mm -hmm. that lifts half the burden right there. And David, you know, aside from being a wonderful writer is also a businessman he runs his own business so he's got the business brain and the creative brain all i have is the creative brain i have no business brain <laughs> and so it's good to have a business partner who really knows the business side of things and uh, we got to talking bouncing around ideas and i pitched him like four ideas and thinking that we would pick one and yes. we would do a five four or five issue miniseries with that one idea and that's what we kickstart and david said well why don't we do all four Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a fantastic idea. Yes. Four number one issues, essentially like four, four pilot issues. And then the fun part is anyone who supports us, who get, buys all the number one issues or buys the collected edition, which will contain all the number one issues, gets to vote on which of these four is the yes. first one that we will continue. Mm -hmm. The idea ultimately is to con continue them all, but we have to start with one of them. So mm -hmm. if you support, you know, if you go out there and you buy the bundle that has all four of them, or that has the collected edition, then you get to vote. And if you say, oh, it's it's the Western I like. No, it's it's any man. No, it's mm -hmm. Layla. It's whatever, whichever one, that's the one that will continue. So you actually get to have a say in what we do. Uh, David created this label, uh, this imprint, Spellbound Comics. Mm -hmm. So you'll get to dictate what I'm writing next and what Spellbound Comics is doing next, which I think is very exciting it and very is. interesting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, David and I got together. We put this together, you know, uh, went out there and, and and found these wonderful, wonderful artists to, to do the books, not to mention the amazing artists we have doing alternate covers. And, and I mean, yes. we have really 
a group of top-notch professionals whose names you know from Marvel and DC, mm -hmm. uh, right down to our colorists and letterers and everybody. So it's a great, great team we've assembled uh, to take these ideas, which have been gestating in my head, some of them for, for almost for decades, mm -hmm. finally getting them out into the world. It's very, very exciting. Very exciting. Before I start talking about the your pilot episodes and so forth, is um, I just think it's so cool that you're doing, okay, you, the readers, are going to vote. Because it kind of reminds me of back in the um, late 80s when DC did the 1-800 numbers, like um, right. that's a Rob. I, this is so cool. It's great. Right. Right. At least we're not voting on killing a character, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're voting on continuing. We're, we're voting on life, not death. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Um, I'm going to start off with. Um, I'm going. I'm just going to jump right in. Let's let's yeah, start let's off jump in. Any man, what is the story about? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you teasers. I'm not going to tell you too much because yes. I want you to be excited and read the books. Mm -hmm. um, Any Man, first of all, the art is by David Baldion, who did my recent Ben Riley Spider-Man series. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing artist. Uh, I've said before, I really wasn't aware of David's work before we did the Spider-Man thing together. And I just was blown away by his storytelling skills, by his ability to draw, to do mm -hmm. action, to do quiet character moments. He's such a gifted, gifted artist. And the work he's done on Any Man is just just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, all these guys have just knocked it out of the park mm -hmm. on this stuff. No one, no one, no one gave anything but their very, very best to these projects. So, any man, that's a big story that takes place over the course of like fifty years. Mm -hmm. It begins in 1969. We're in Times Square in New York, and a portal opens, mm -hmm. and through the portal leaps this costumed figure. And this is this is the one series that, on the surface at least, seems like the most traditional superhero story, right? So yes. through the portal comes this costume figure who claims to have come from millions of years in the past, from a perfect utopian civilization. But this utopian civilization got out of control. Their egos grew too big. Their 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 grasp they reached too high, and the and the civilization came collapsing down because of their own ego and arrogance and greed. So he has come now to 1969 which he says is a pivotal time for our civilization because uh -huh. we're at the same point where we could rise or fall and he's here to help us rise and not fall. So over the course of the next 50 years, the media names him any man, he becomes the global hero. The one that everyone, not just in, not just in one city, not just in one country, but around the world, he is the hero of heroes, the global hero. Uh -huh. The only problem with all of this is that this entire story that he's told us is a complete fabrication. It's a lie. So who is any man? Why is he here? Where mm -hmm. did he come from? Who mm -hmm. created him? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first twist. Mm -hmm. And then there's another twist and another beneath that. So there's a lot of interesting things going on beneath the surface of what at first appears to be a simple superhero origin story. And the story jumps back and forth through time across those 50 years. And it will, as the, as the series continues, it'll be constantly time jumping in that sort of Citizen Kane kind of way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm going to go into the next um, um, pilot, Godsend. I Godsend. saw some of the artwork um, by Matthew Dow Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew's wonderful. And, and one of the things I love about Matthew's style is that it's very unique. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can't really confuse his artwork with anybody else's. It's very, it's a very singular art style, and one of the things he does so well, he reminds me, in fact, of of of, uh, of Kevin McGuire. Oh, I should mention Kevin McGuire did the alternate. My old JLI buddy Kevin McGuire did the alternate cover for Any Man, and it's beautiful. If you go, if you go to my Twitter feed, you'll find it there. Mm -hmm. So, um, but Matt, Matt also like Kevin, but in a different way, is fantastic with faces and body language so he really gets to the heart and soul and the emotions of the characters so mm -hmm. beautifully so godsend godsend one, one, thing, one of the themes it sends to run through my stories and that i really d dive into in in godsend is this idea of we all walk around with a conception of who we think we are mm -hmm. and then there's another level of well that's who we think we are but who are we really Mm -hmm. Then there's our, 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 our presuppositions about reality itself. Well, we think reality is this concrete thing and we get up in the morning and we have our breakfast and we go to work. Mm -hmm. But what's lying beneath that? If you could peel away the skin of the world, what's really, mm -hmm. really humming beneath there? So those are the themes we explore in Godsend. Our main character 
is Eric Small. He's a 35-year-old uh, junior high school teacher. He's uh -huh. depressed. He's overweight. He doesn't have many friends. He had a very abusive childhood. Um, he's a sad, sad character who's really, really struggling to get by every day. And into his world and into the world appears this celestial being. My one line on the story is, Kirby Gods meets Philip K. Dick meets the Matrix. Mm -hmm. So this kind of Kirby God character, this blue-skinned deity appears. And no one's really sure, is he here for the sake of good or the sake of evil? But he seems to be here for our benefit, but we don't really know. But Eric becomes obsessed with mm -hmm. godsend his whole life he's stuck to the tv he's on the internet he's cutting things out of magazines he's just, he, he he feels some profound profound connection to this to this being and he doesn't understand what it is or why but it's almost as if his entire fate as an individual is wrapped up and this is the same thing that's happening to a lot of people around the city and around mm -hmm. the world this deep connection to this mm -hmm. being that no one can really understand so one day Eric's sitting in his living room and he looks up and there's this being standing there, not Godsend. This is a seven foot tall being with a man's face and a turtle's body. <laughs> and and uh, you can imagine his reaction. How would you feel if a seven foot tall turtle man appeared in your living room? And this being who calls himself Korm, K-O-R-M, basically says, get on my back. <laughs> and Eric is like, no, 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 you know get on my back. What are you going to do? The giant turtle says, get on my back. So yeah. he gets on his back. The turtle flies him out the window. And this is the beginning of a journey that completely shreds all of Eric's sense of who he is, all his, all his sense of what reality is and starts him on a journey that transforms his life and the life of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the amazing things about working on these series is this is, this is, you know, part one, I know what part two, three, four, and five are. I know what's coming. I know that as as God's sin continues, we're going to uncork dozens of new characters and, mm -hmm. a, and a whole a whole new mythology is going to be mm -hmm. born out of this one thing. You know, so it's like I'm so way past these first issues and into yeah. what's coming, you know, so I'm, I'm just so excited to get it out there and let people see it. Um, so that's that's God's sin. That's the mm -hmm. premise of God's sin. Mm -hmm. Let's see the third one. Want to go to Layla in the lands of after? Yes. Mm hmm. One of my favorite, favorite all-time collaborators, Sean McManus. Sean, people know him from his work with Alan Moore on Swamp Thing, uh -huh. from his work with Neil Gaiman on Sandman. Uh -huh. He and I worked at DC. We did a two-year run on Dr. Fate that remains one of my all-time favorite projects. Uh -huh. and, and we've been talking about Layla for about 12 years now, Sean and I, looking oh, for the right nice. venue to get it out into the uh -huh. world. So we're really, really excited to finally get it out. So the premise here... 13-year-old girl, Layla, is on her bicycle coming home from her, her friend's house one chilly October night. It's a very Bradbury night. It's October. Mm -hmm. The leaves are turning. It's windy. And uh, suddenly she's enveloped in a ball of light. She's mm -hmm. lifted up into the air. She's carried, is it over the rainbow? Is it through the looking glass? She lands in this extraordinary magical land where where rivers speak and the trees are alive and 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 the animals are singing to her and and oh my god I, i'm like dorothy i must be in oz but uh -huh. it turns out she's not in oz because she soon encounters her cat who died five years before and her oh. grandfather who uh -huh. died some years before and and we realize as they inform her that layla herself is dead because that light that enveloped her was the light of the car uh -huh. that hit her while she was biking home. Mm -hmm. And this isn't Oz. This isn't Wonderland. This is the afterlife. Mm -hmm. These are the lands of after. And uh, and and Layla, in her shock, finally decides, wait a minute, I'm only 13 years old. Yeah. I refuse to be dead. I have a whole life mm -hmm. ahead of me. And we're going to find a way to get me back. So mm -hmm. with her grandfather, with her cat, with a character we call the not quite fallen angel and other characters that they meet along the way. Mm -hmm. They move through the lands of after, which are multiple lands. It's not just one land because mm -hmm. in my vision, every, every soul that dies creates the afterlife that they mm -hmm. want. So there are as many afterlives, as many lands as there mm -hmm. are souls. So they move through all these lands, trying to get her back before the small window of opportunity yes. closes. Mm -hmm. And that's the premise for the series. And I have to say, some of uh, and listeners, if you guys get a chance, and we will put a link um, in the show notes, um, check out the Kickstarter. There's some, there's I think one or two preview pages from 
Sean McManus' yeah. artwork. It's incredible. You'll see some preview pages. You'll see covers. You'll see some of the alternate covers. The alternate cover for Layla is done by J.H. Williams III, who people know from Promethea with Alan Moore, some of mm -hmm. the most beautiful artwork to ever grace a comic and so much else that he's done. Mm -hmm. uh, and he just did a, a really, really stunning cover uh, for that. And our, I have to mention that our collected edition has a, has a cover by Liam Sharp. Um, yes. mm -hmm. who's you know another extraordinary artist if you haven't seen his new book Starhenge you have to check it out it's an image book and it's just uh, uh it's just beautiful just beautiful and Liam and I worked together years ago at Marvel on Man Thing one of my favorite runs that uh, on that uh, we had a great time so the final book yes which I alluded to before is Wisdom yes and that's that's our western that's our supernatural western mm -hmm. about a, a man named Gabriel Wisdom ergo the title and um, and uh, it, it's really the, this man's journey as we follow him from being a very pampered uh, son of a very, very wealthy father uh, who's got delusions of being an actor, because honestly, he's not that good an actor, but his father kind of funds his endeavors. But then the, father's the father dies, the financial empire collapses, wisdom and his wife move west, they, he goes from job to job, one mm -hmm. dream burns and crashes after another, and he finds himself out west starts a newspaper out there, um, a series of unfortunate events happen, culminating in he one night he finds his house aflame, these ghostly riders galloping away into the night and his wife and daughter are inside. Mm -hmm. This begins a turn in wisdom's life, which turns this really quiet, peaceful man into one of the most savage uh, gunfighters in the West. And more than that, ultimately his transformation into a sorcerer. Who is tasked with defending the world from this great evil that's coming? So I call it Deadwood meets Lord of the Wing, Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings. It's a it's a very gritty western on one hand, but it's a big big fantasy epic on the other, mm -hmm. and um, it's just again such a fun story. And the first story, uh, Tom uh, Tom Mandrake has done the art. Tom people know from the Spectre, yes. from Batman, and so many other things. Tom is one of the great horror artists uh, does the supernatural like nobody's business but he's also done westerns too brilliantly so he's mm -hmm. been the per I, and all of these guys i keep saying it but it's true i think each of them are like hitting a peak on these books mm -hmm. so the, the art that tom has done on wisdom is just extraordinary and uh, uh wisdom is also colored by tom's wife uh, jander sama who's a wonderful artist in oh, her own yes. right Yes. Uh, lettered by taylor esposito who people know from dc and other companies and taylor lettered um uh, he also lettered Any Man, and he lettered Layla. And uh, the other books are being colored by a wonderful colorist named Arthur Hesley. And Godsend, Matt Smith, penciled, inked, colored, lettered, did it all himself. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Really, really amazing. So those are the four books. Mm -hmm. uh, and the great thing is each one is in a different genre, different yes. style, different, different narrative tone to each uh -huh. one. So each one of them, I get to exercise a different part of my creative brain. So you're getting really four four different universes, which is why we're calling it the demultiverse. You know, we mm -hmm. did it half jokingly, but the name the name seems to fit. You know, <laughs> and so I hope that that you know we we got off to a great start. We we met our initial goal in like six hours, and that was our we set the goal low, so we would let people know that from this point on, no matter what happens, anyone that that backs us is getting their books, mm -hmm. and all the books are about ninety percent done, which means you won't be waiting around for years, which sometimes yeah. happens with Kickstarters. You will get these books once we're done. We'll wrap up the books, get them off to the printers. That could take time. Yes, uh, but we think by the spring, uh, at, uh, probably early spring, everyone will have the books in their hands. And uh, it's just, it's really, really exciting. Also check out the Kickstarter because we have a lot of different rewards and different tiers oh, yes. Yes. that you could uh, continue, uh, um, that you could support us with. It sounds like, um, you know, um, that for, you know, for, for this Kickstarter, it's a, it's, it's really more a labor of love that everyone's, you know, that, you know, um, and if I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not cutting down the big two or any of the um, publishing companies, but, but this one is more of a labor of love. Like you said, everyone's bringing their A game. They want to, they, you know, well, they, you know, when, yeah, when you're creating your own stuff, it's a, it's a different thing. You know, yes. this is our spellbound is ours, you mm -hmm. know, and these stories are ours. And I, and I've said this before, you know, even though these are ideas that have been in my head for for a long time, yes. they don't. It's a comic book, and they do not come alive until these artists bring them alive. So I consider every single one of these artists a co-creator, mm -hmm. because 
it's there, you know, I can describe every panel, everything that I want to see in my head, but every artist will bring that to life in a different way and bring a unique stamp. Uh, you know, you can't confuse Tom Mandrake with Sean McManus. You can't confuse Sean McManus with David. Yes. You can't you can't confuse David Baldion with Matthew Dow Smith. So each of them brings a unique visual stamp and storytelling skill to this world. And I can't, it's comics. You can't do it without them. Mm -hmm. So they are they are co-creators on this and everyone's pouring their heart and soul into it. And I'm just very, very proud of the work we've done. And that's why I'm inviting people to please come along with us. You know, even though we met the initial goal, we have other goals that we need to meet if we really want Spellbound to go forward from here. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you know, uh, the, the the Kickstarter runs till November 11th. Yes. Thereabouts, 10th or 11th, something like that. And so uh, we're going to be banging the drum until then. Yes. And, you know, I'm seeing that's one of the hardest parts of this process is really having to be out there on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that mm -hmm. every day. Yes. And reminding people because, you know, you sometimes you think I've just said this a hundred times and then someone comes along and said, oh, I've never heard about this. What yes. is it? Yeah. So you have to be constantly reminding people. Yes. And um, so anyone out there that has read and enjoyed my work, I invite you to come along with us on this journey. I've said it before. It's a cliche, but it's true. We cannot do it without the audience on this one. We can't do it alone. We need you. You are a, par a participant mm -hmm. in this uh, amazing journey that we're on. I'm going to ask a question. Let's say, and I'm and I'm not being sarcastic, but let's say someone, um, you know, someone listens to our interview or John yes. Suchers' interview sometime in let's say March of next year and go, oh my God, when was this Kickstarter? How can they? How you know? Um, are there other ways to, um, you know, like um, to buy the individual issues? Yes, yes that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because I forgot to mention this. The books, you know, and some people also just feel uncomfortable with Kickstarter that yes. for whatever reason, yeah. the books are also available right now. And once the Kickstarter is over, they will continue to be available at the Spellbound Comics uh, website, which is simply spellboundcomics.com. Okay. So if you're uncomfortable with Kickstarter or if you miss the Kickstarter for whatever reason, Go to spellboundcomics.com and same thing there. If you if you get all four books of the collection, you will be able to vote on which of the four series will go forward first. That's nice. Yeah, okay. it is nice. It's really nice. And then um couple things. Um the the because I picked because I backed the trade. Um you have um former Marvel editor in charge, um Tom DeFalco. Or that's right. So how that's right. Ask, how did you get Tom involved in this? Oh, so just to explain for people, Tom is doing the forward for the collected edition. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was really simple because Tom and I have been friends since 1980. So <laughs> he was one of the first editors I worked with when I started working at Marvel, uh, when when I was doing Marvel Team Up. And and we've just become good friends over the years. And mm -hmm. David Baldy asked me, you know, for the forward, we want someone who has a good sense of the whole arc of your entire career and who knows you personally to write something about you and mm -hmm. your career. Who do you think? And and uh, one of the first people that came to mind was Tom. And mm -hmm. Tom, uh, happily, Tom said, sure, I'll do it. I'm happy to do it. So um, that's great. Happy to have Tom aboard. And that's what I mean. We have so many wonderful people yes. involved with this. Mm -hmm. It's like a who's who of comics. Yes. Um, you know, just, I always say, forget about me for a minute. If you don't like me, it's okay. Look at these artists. Look at these people that are involved with this. Mm -hmm. It's it's you know, it's worth it for them alone. Mm -hmm. I would. If I wasn't involved with it, I'd support it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, JM, I'm slowly wrapping things up. Now, in the beginning, I mentioned one of your works that you've done was the Elseworld um, Superman um, Faster and Speeding Bullets. I hope I forgot the title. Speeding correctly. Bullets, yeah. It's just yeah, called Speeding, Speeding Bullets. Bullets, yeah. So I know the art was done by Eduardo Barreto. When it yes. came out, like I said, I love that issue. I remember that picking up that elsewhere. I love it. That was a, just to, to remind people what the premise of that was. It was, you know, it, to me, it was like the most obvious Elseworlds you could possibly do. The rocket comes from Krypton, Krypton. It lands just outside Gotham City, where it's found by the Wayne family. So little baby Kal-El is now raised by the Waynes. The Waynes are murdered. Mm -hmm. And basically Superman grows up to be Batman. Mm -hmm. And how would that play out? And it's a, it's it's a one shot. I think it was like forty eight pages or something yes. like that. Yeah. And and it tells it's all done in one. And it's a it's a fun little story. And people, it's one of those stories that has lived on. People have continued to enjoy it all these years. Oh, yes. Now, 
how cool was it to see and and I, I hope you re, and I hope someone's I hope they send it to you. Um the Elseworld that Elseworld Superman action figure from that it story. was great. It was fantastic. I you know it's like one of those things that you don't expect and then I, I saw it and plus yes. you know, McFarland McFarland they do such great work on these yes. figures too. And uh, through through a connection who had a connection at DC, they did. They got me. They got me a copy, and I got it a, a, whatever about a month or so ago. And it's a great, great figure. And so, mm -hmm. you know, anytime something like that comes along, um, you know, uh, uh, I've got a I've got a whole thing that Paul Levitt sent me a few years back, which is our entire Justice League International bunch of action figures there. Oh my god! Where the past couple of years, uh, Marvel put out of all things one of my more obscure but beloved characters, which is. Uh, the fabulous Frogman. I never thought I'd see a Frogman oh, action yes. figure, and yes. I've got Frogman and the White Rabbit, who was his his enemy. You know, and it's just it's it's just it's delightful to have these these little toys that are that are connected to characters that I created. It's wonderful, and like you said, it's um it's obscure characters that are they they made action figures because. Because right, because think about it, we would never think they would make a frogman action. No, not in a million years. Yeah. Not I was surprised that he showed up basically on She-Hulk a few weeks ago, also. You know? <laughs> um all right. Um what is the most fun or exciting thing that you love working in comics? What's the most exciting part? There are two things. Mm -hmm. There are two yes. things. And I'll say not just comics, but writing in general. Mm -hmm. The most exciting part of writing for me is when these ideas emerge and they emerge as if they have nothing to do with me. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'll just be, I was, I've said this several times about wisdom. You know, the, what, the idea for wisdom came to me. I was laying in bed one morning and I started watching a movie in my head. I didn't know what it was. It's just, oh, let's watch the movie. And the movie told me the story of wisdom. And I've had that happen many times over the years, many times, you know, I remember, you know, once, uh, you know, an entire story like was like it was contained in a bubble. And mm -hmm. in one instant, this whole story just unfolded in my head. That's the magic. And then when you start to follow that mm -hmm. and you sit down and you start to write and the stories and the characters take on lives of their own, independent of you. It's like it's almost like it has nothing to do with you. It's like it's like there's someone whispering in your ear and you're mm -hmm. just the typist. You know, what, what was that you're saying? What what happens next? And then the story rears up. It surprises you. That's that's the magic to me of just writing in general. The mm -hmm. more my stories surprise me, the more that I feel like I'm out of the way and the story is just coming through. It's almost like they're coming through from another dimension. That's mm -hmm. the most magical part of writing. The other thing about comics in particular is kind of what I said before about my artist collaborators. Nothing, nothing comes close to the delight when it's great art of mm -hmm. getting the art back. I write a story. I've had something, maybe it's been in my head, like these stories for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. And suddenly some brilliant artist has now brought this story to life and the page of art arrives. You know, it used to arrive in a package. Now it arrives through email. You know, mm -hmm. everything is digital. And there's something about that. We talked earlier about that little chemical that drops in your brain when you love comics. I still get that feeling when I see the artwork for the first time. It's like I'm a kid and there is this innocence and awe and wonder and joy when the artwork comes through. I have so much respect and admiration for these guys and what they are able to do mm -hmm. with a pencil and a pen. It's incredible. Wow. That is nice. Thank you very much. Um, about maybe three more questions. What was your favorite convention moment, whether it was as a fan or as a creator? Let me think about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can think of of one moment particularly, but there there are moments that happen. Yes, mm -hmm. and they've happened a number of times. And to me, these are the moments that they're not just favorite uh, um, convention moments. They're they're moments that really kind of make your whole career worthwhile. Yes. When someone walks over to your table and says to you, I read this story when my life was in crisis and your your story touched my heart, it gave me hope or it made me see the world in a whole new way. I, I never thought of, of, of these questions of spirituality before until I read this story or my, my, my grandmother died and I read the death of Aunt May and it touched my heart so deep. You know, one person like that who takes us any story of mine into their heart that way, 
it, it, you know, it melts me. It's just like I could become a puddle at their feet. Mm -hmm. And it's happened so many times. And, and, and I do not take it for granted. I feel profoundly grateful every time something like that happens. It means so much to me. And, you know, the other nice thing is these are very nice people. You know, um, uh, I, I've met so many nice people over the years that that read and appreciate my work. It's very rare that I have run into any uh, uncomfortable characters, even on social media, because on social media, they show up, you can always block them. But the yeah. majority of people that interact with me interact with me because they like my work. And, and they're very sweet, and they're respectful, and they're compassionate. And I try to be the same way in return. And you know, what a delight to have someone come up to you and just tell you that something that you did meant that much to them. Yes. Because, you know, as a reader, that's the way I am. I said I wrote that letter to Ray Bradbury because that book touched my heart so deeply. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's giving back to others what Bradbury gave back to me. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. It's it's very sweet and very touching. And so so um, it's it's magical. All right. Two more questions. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? Not the whole family, but my wife and I. Well, my wife and I, when we got married back in the nineties, we mm -hmm. we had three different honeymoons, and mm -hmm. one of them one of them was to Hawaii, and it was a fantastic trip. We went mostly mostly on the Big Island. Mm -hmm. Yes, we uh, one of the most amazing experiences I ever had was was going to the top of Mount Mauna Kea. Um, yes, just blew my mind. You know, mm -hmm. as you know, you drive up there for like a hundred hours. It feels like, yes. and you're going from like the balmy beautiful Hawaiian beach mm -hmm. up to the top of this mountain that's above the clouds with this observatory and the wind. And it's just, you feel like you've, you've touched, you, you've reached the top of the world and you can touch mm -hmm. the sky. And, and the, I remember the wind was blowing and there were a bunch of people that went up on this trip with us. And this one guy, you, you can get hypoxia because you're so high up there. Mm -hmm. And yes. this guy, I think, was losing his mind a little. He was jumping up and down because he thought the wind was going to lift him up and he'd be able to fly, you know. <laughs> but um, it was an extraordinary experience. I really, uh, but the whole the whole trip there was just wonderful. Uh, we went down to the Waipao Valley and rode horses around down there. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. yes. the, beaches, the beaches were gorgeous. Uh, and, and to be on a honeymoon there. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the other extraordinary experience we had was in Volcanoes National Park. Yes. Um, we're walking around there, taking a, a, a trip with one of the, the park rangers, and they took us out to a to a lava flow that was happening right then and there. Nothing. And and literally standing ten feet away from a lava flow. Yes. It was an ex it was extraordinary. And, and weirdly, it was very it was a very emotional experience because there's what's more primal than the earth literally forming itself, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you could only get just so close because <laughs> it's yes. really hot. You know, and I remember posing for pictures and I was like, take the picture quick. It's really hot here, you know, <laughs> um, but it was I, it was like an emotional connection to this lava, that there was some energy in this lava mm -hmm. that was so incredible. So we had many extraordinary experiences on that trip to Hawaii. And I'm hoping that one day we'll get to go back for a convention. And because it's been many years since we've been there, it'd be delightful to go back. So if there's any local convention organizers, you heard it. JM wants to come to Hawaii, please invite him because I when I backed his to um this Kickstarter trade paperback, um I did not want an autograph because I want to give it to him when I see him here. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be really, really nice. Yes. And thank you for backing the Kickstarter. We appreciate that. And I know you've done some you promoted it on, on Twitter. I've seen that and uh, we're very appreciative. Yeah. So also, you know, for people, if they don't have the money to do this right now, that's, you know, understandable. We all go mm -hmm. through times like that. So if you can't, if you can't back it that way, just spread the word. If you're on social media, yeah. let people know about it so that that the word gets out there and we, and we get the support that we need so that Spellbound Comics and all these series can move forward. And then I, I'm sorry, I'm going to add a little something to that. Um, um, yeah, for some of us that are maybe a little tight on money that can't do the bundle or the trade. Um, you're selling the um, the you're selling the um, like any man issue number one. It's all separate. It's all in the, you can they can buy yeah, you can buy the books individually and you can yeah. buy them digitally. The digital is 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 cheaper as well. You know, um, I know people in other countries. Uh, the shipping can yes. get really expensive. So if you don't want to deal with the shipping issues and paying for that shipping, mm -hmm. buy them digitally. And there's no, you know, suddenly there's no shipping involved. So you have the option to buy them digitally. You can buy the individual issues. 
-hmm. you can buy the collection you can in, in whatever you know whichever mix and match way you want to do it you can do it you know the only thing is again if you want to vote you have to buy all four or the mm -hmm. trade collection okay last question any closing words to our listeners any closing words no well, let's go back to what i was just talking about with the conventions i am so yeah. grateful to all the people out there that read enjoy and appreciate my work and and uh don't think for a moment that i take that for granted it means it really means the world to me so thank you and everyone who's supporting the Kickstarter and everyone who will join us in our last, uh, I guess we have about a week and a half to go. I don't know by the time this airs, it may be two days to go. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but please come along for this ride because it's really, really exciting. And I think you will, I think you'll really enjoy the stories and you'll be a part of something new and helping, helping create something new that hopefully will move forward from here for some time to come. JM Mahalo. Thank you. That That is thank you in Hawaiian. Thank you very much for your time. I mean, again, I have to say thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this again, but I know we were trying to work out times. Um, but just thank you for accommodating me today. Thank you. Oh, very it was much. a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And thank you. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about the Kickstarter and the work. And uh, hopefully maybe one of these days we'll see each other face to face at a Hawaiian convention. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, yes, that would. Thank you very much. Um, and congratulations on the, you know, on your Kickstarter. I, I know we have a few more days left. Um, I hope, you know, more fans will continue to support your campaign, the campaign on this. Thank you. You know, I, I hope the fans will do that. Um, I also want to thank um, David, again, of Spellbound Comics for, you know, help setting up this interview. Um if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out the, the Multiverse Spellbound Comics Kickstarter. Now, the campaign ends on November 10th. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, JM, you said that also too, they can check out the uh, the Spellbound Comics yes. website as well. Spellboundcomics.com has all kinds of information there and you, you can purchase the books directly from Spellbound, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, um, and listeners, I've already backed this Kickstarter because I'm very excited to to read, you know, to, it's just, it just sounds so cool. Now, when you talked about wisdom, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little more excited. Um, I, I'm sorry, JM. I, I know Western is your favorite genre, but I was, but I'll, Godsend sounded pretty cool, but just for you talking more about wisdom, it's like, oh, I want to read this. You know, it's funny as for me, people could be asking, which one is your favorite? Which one is your favorite? And it's, it's whichever one I'm thinking about at the moment, you know, yes. because, because oh, yeah. I'm so excited about all these stories and I can see going forward what they're all going to evolve into. So uh, it's hard for me to choose. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I want to thank Drew, the coast of Comics for Fun and Profit for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha.